Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome to Good Morning Football, everybody. We're presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. We love kicking off our morning with highlights right here at the breakfast table in New York. My name's Kay Adams, Peter Schrager, Kyle Brett, and two-time Super Bowl champion, Sean McCoy. What's up? Do I have to hey, keep introducing Kay. you as 12-year vet, over 11,000 yards, la, la, no, right? I, I like all of them. <laughs> yeah, feel like, free. Okay, you want the full treatment off your Yeah, I like it. I like okay. it. Okay, I know you're wearing your salute to service pin. Would you like to say hi to someone this morning? Father, he yelled at me yesterday. <laughs> Thanks for all your services. True vet, Ronnie McCoy. Ronnie By McCoy. By the way, he's the best athlete in the family. Is that right? Yeah. So he says. Uh-huh. So he and says. he's watching the show this yeah. morning. Yeah, we're all wearing the pins cool. in honor of this NFL Salute to Service campaign. It is our year-round effort to honor, to empower, to connect with our nation's service members, veterans, and their families. You can learn more about the NFL's work with its longstanding military and veteran nonprofit partners by visiting NFL.com slash salute. Good morning to all of our veterans and service members, including Ronnie McCoy. Time for the <laughs> block. Let's get some highlights from Monday Night Football. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Let's get after it because this one was fun. Let's hear from Mike Tomlin. Mike, you have that one in the bag, right? All right. Had it all the way, right? Um, man, that's just the nature of this thing. It's the National Football League. Uh, you're going to be in battles, man. The, more, the most important thing is that you smile in the face of adversity and deliver the necessary plays. And, you know, that's the silver lining in tonight's performance, man. We're up against it. A lot of it due to our own doing, but you got to also tip your cap to the Bears, man. Um, they competed, and they competed for 60 minutes. The cool thing is we made the necessary plays, man. Ben took the offense down the field, and we got the necessary field goal, um, and we were able to close the game out, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. 
Steelers excited to be 5-3. and three. They're very much alive. We'll get to the Bears. Some exciting hope for the future in Justin Fields. But it wasn't that anybody was talking about. Nobody's talking about it this morning. It's this. This ending in Pittsburgh late in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Cassius. That's Cassius Marsh. He's a linebacker. He takes care of Big Ben. He sacks him. And he appears to stare down the Steelers bench. Comes into contact with the referee, Tony Carrenti, who flags him for taunting. Here's what Marsh had to say about the call. I think it's pretty clear to everybody who saw it that I wasn't taunting. And, um, like, you know, I've been doing the celebration my whole career, and, uh, you know, it's just sad to see stuff like that happen in a close game like that. We know the rule. Reactions to the Cassius Marsh taunting penalty late in the fourth quarter. Some backstory. This offseason, the NFL put in this taunting rule, and it kind of was buried under a lot of other new policies and rules. And I think there was a clear delineation of, like, what is taunting and what is not taunting. Taunting is when you're doing it in the face of somebody else, but celebrating is when you do it elsewhere. Because the the Steelers had an interception yesterday, and the entire team gets Mm -hmm. to run into the end zone and celebrate and do the thing. Hey, pictures. And we're like, woohoo! Selly of the month, like we do this whole thing, <laughs> celebration, we love it. And then Cassius Marsh does this kick, mm-hmm. looks at the side Nice kick line, too, nice kick by the way. Great kick, <laughs> and we say, all right, well that's dangerous to the game. I, this is where Tony Currenti's in a tough spot. The NFL's mm. competition committee yeah. said this is a point of emphasis, yeah. which doesn't mean it's just a new rule. It's like, we want you guys to call this. Part of the reason was we were getting some gestures from players Last couple years that were coming off as really bad sportsmanship, some cases that were you know inciting violence on the field. Like we don't, I don't know where the the line crosses here. Look, the coach is yelling at him, but Cash is like, I've been doing that kick move my entire career, and he's had a long career, and he's about changed. Kick, right? and, and he's like, rules have changed. That's rules true. have changed. Uh, it's not the wrong call because it's the point of emphasis, like. Mm-hmm. He's doing his job. It sucks. I know. It sucks if you're a Bears fan. Like, what do you mean? That's not That's not the point. The rule is there. Mm-hmm. And whether or not he should follow the rules or not, or whether or not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This is a point of emphasis. And I remember I learned this rule over the offseason, and I was with a bunch of different colleagues from Fox, and Charles Woodson could not stomach it and was sitting in the room while the, the head of officiating was speaking to us, sure. and he's raising his hand. He's like, you know that's going to cost someone a big game, or mm. that's going to cost someone a playoff game. You can't have that cost a playoff game. Like, mm-hmm. And they're like, yes, but the players will learn, and hopefully by the end of the season they'll know you can't taunt. It's a tough thing to stomach, and of course the Bears would go on to score, so it's almost a moot point. But they also called it last week, mm-hmm. and we didn't go mm-hmm. nuts about it. Right. I, yep. Eli Penny gets a, a not, an easy first down, oh, and yeah, it's a big yep. play for the Giants. It is the rule. And point it's, of emphasis. It's the point of emphasis. The league has told the refs, call this if you can. They did. Well, I mean, this, like you said, there are new rules, but this is the thing. Like, be a smart football player. Seriously, though. Great first down. There's no reason to put your hand in the guy's face. As, as a, a veteran that played this game for a long time, they make these rules, right, to protect the, the, the teams, to protect the, the league. I get it, right? So once you get these new rules, you have to adjust. It's part of the game. We can't change it. We can't do nothing about it. We'll be complaining about it on, on the next day, you know, Monday or, 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 or Sunday, mm-hmm. you know. But you, you got you to gotta take care uh, of your team. And the right thing to take care of your team is do the right things, bro. Listen, mm-hmm. celebrate, you know, take you on your defense, go down, take a picture, celebrate. But that's it. Go to the sideline. There's no reason to stare down the opposing team and looking at them. You're, you're looking for a flag. You're looking for a flag. 
You know, so instead of complaining about it, just do the right thing, man. Celebrate your team and go to the other sideline and try is to it, win the game. Is it hard to know what's taunting and what's celebrating? I, mean, I think it is. I think it's obvious. Like, like, okay, you celebrate, you do the karate kick. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was the flag. It the wasn't. flag was you, the karate kick was very good. And then you're staring at the opposing <laughs> team, like, taunting them. Like, bro, do your thing. Great job. And let's yeah. get moving. Yeah. We're trying to win the game. You do things like that, like you're costing your team. The karate kick was not flagged. You've done that for years. You can do a karate you kick. Can do, yes, you can do that. As long right? as you don't do right. it to a player. Yeah. Um, Here's what's fascinating. It's not that there was another taunting. It wasn't that there was a kick. It's the official bump that is really weird. Here's where I come out. If you feel that this player lingered on the field, stared down the sideline, took the steps, and if you feel that's worthy of a game-changing penalty, throw it. Fine, if you have to throw it. He doesn't throw it until the bump. He's he's reaching for it, though. He's grabbing it. He's already grabbing it. But then why does he wait till after the bump to throw it? Listen. There's insinuations and accusations out there that the, the, the official leaned his butt back into him. <laughs> Monty it, Ginobili? It does like, look like it. I mean, it does. And, and just a little context here. At this point, the Steelers have been called for two penalties. Mm-hmm. The Bears have been called for 11. Wow. Mm. The Bears' sideline was apoplectic all night. It's mm-hmm. a desperation game, going to a bye. The season might be over. Nagy, everyone was on the official, like on them. Right. They're human beings. I think the officials have maybe had enough and were pissed and were tired of this and they've been getting worn out. That bump is a little bit weird, and I think it should be looked at. That's all I will say. Thoughts on the bump? That's not, that didn't look natural to me, Shady. I'm not sure about I think he was already grabbing mm-hmm. I think They're not that athletic. Come on. Mm-hmm. Give, give him a break, right? <laughs> I don't think he want that smoke. And he's grabbing he's Are looking. you kidding me? This could be on look, Angry look, Runs look, right look, here. He's, he's already grabbing it. You think he leans in? Yeah. yeah. Does anybody not at the table? I'm not sure if he leaned in. I'm not sure he would do that. But, hey, also, human beings. Taunting has always been a rule. I love that Triggs is underlining, italicizing, and bolding the fact that it's a point of emphasis. And this isn't week two, people. What are, we, right. what are right. we complaining about? We're done with nine weeks of football, and this emphasis has been applied across the board pretty much in every game. Maybe Bears fans haven't seen it up close and personal on a national level. It's been applied across the board. Maybe the competition com- committee, which they are able to write, will review it, take yeah. a look at it. Uh, but for now, the rule is what the rule is. The Bears frustration, I understand, but how about also 12 penalties for 150, 15 yards? But I think that's a... And of course, this is the point that when we'll dig into this a little bit more, and then you have the Justin Fields. Yeah, like I think that's where that. there was late hit called yeah. again, not called against Justin Fields. I think that's where Bears fans, right, yeah. have to be the cumulative it's effort. Also, like, Mar- Marshall was on the Steelers last year. He's had mm. a fight for everything. He wanted to have a little moment where he looked at the sideline and said, you get rid of us. He knows he can't have that moment. Look at that coach and being like, are you an absolute that. idiot? I, Revenge type. I, I don't... Was that taunting? Was that taunting? I know the I, emphasis. I think, I think, did that fall under the emphasis? But though? listen, that will adjust the same way with hitting the quarterbacks. I thought with some legal hits, but they call flags. They'll figure a way to figure it out and adjust as players. Right. At GMFB, we're halfway through the season. It's been a thing mm. all year. Tom Pelissero joining us right now. Tom, thanks for being here. We're all on Odell Beckham Jr. watch this morning. What do we need to know? Okay, the Browns finally officially placed Odell Beckham Jr. on waivers on Monday, ending a a two-and-a-half-year run in which Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham Jr. had the lowest passer rating of any duo in the NFL. The other 31 teams now have until 4 p.m. Eastern time today to claim Odell, but doing so would cause that new team to pick up the rest of Odell Beckham Jr.'s $7.25 million salary. If he clears waivers, which at this point seems likely, then Odell would be free to sign with any team. So what landing spots make sense? Well, the Saints and the 49ers both seem like logical fits, though Sean Payton 
and Kyle Shanahan pointed out they would not be able to put in a waiver claim. They just don't have the cap space, so Odell would have to clear first. Seahawks coach Pete Carroll would not rule out the possibility of claiming Odell, and Seattle actually does have the cap space if they decide to go down that road. One team we know will not be claiming Odell, the team at the top priority spot on the waiver list, that is the Detroit Lions. Coach Dan Campbell, when asked about Odell, responded simply, uh, no. Okay? Uh, no. Black guys in his coffee this morning. We love that, Dan Campbell. Oh, LaShawn's saying that that is tough. We'll talk about Odell. We're on his watch, seeing where he lands all day long here on NFL Network. Thank you so much. I'm getting percussed just thinking about Odell's possible landing destinations. Uh, Week 10, we got football. Thursday night action. Lamar Jackson. Yep, his Ravens are going to go full force into primetime. The Dolphins looking to make a statement on their home turf. It's Ravens-Dolphins Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network, on Fox, and streaming on Prime Video. We have a huge show. Justin Tucker on the program. Scott Violi, Brandon Staley. Dick Buckus, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that's Dick true. Buckus. Say it again. Dick Buckus. Love it. Bills, are they as good as we thought? How about those Patriots? Are they going to make it interesting in the AFC East? What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Thank you. 
It's time for a game of We In, We Out. We do this on Tuesdays. Here's how it works. You say a statement, you say you agree, you're in. If you don't agree, you're out. Jaguars surprised us all by defeating the Bills on Sunday, nine to six. Let's now take a look at where that leaves the Bills in their division. Okay, the Bills are in first. The Patriots are right on their heels in second. Wow. The statement is this. The Patriots, not the Bills, <laughs> are going to win the AFC East in 2021. <clears throat> I want to be in so badly. I want to. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't. I, I'm out. I'm, I'm still out. I can't, I can't let go. Um, Simple things the way to look at are the matchups. All right, mm-hmm. so New England plays Cleveland this week. That's tough. The Bills get the Jets. I still believe in Josh Allen. I know you've compared them to the evil empire of Star Wars. We're not allowed to do the song anymore. We're not. We're not we can't do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what broke up the evil empire was a farmer. In one case, Luke Skywalker. In one case, Josh Allen. Nice. Uh, I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl with great conviction. Mm-hmm. I can't jump ship on that because Bill Belichick's strewn together a few wins with a rookie quarterback. I'm still going to go with the Bills, but it's getting real dicey. Sidebar, yeah, how less convicted are you? Because five and three with literally yeah. the softest schedule in the NFL. Not great. They don't Things run. They lost. They still play strange. each other twice. I know. Very strange. Okay. I would say That's I'm good. in on this because I don't like good. five and three is a, is a two week of a record for what they've played. They yeah. only but the schedule the rest of the ways. Great. The only team that they face that we consider a top team in the NFL are the Buccaneers. So I'm going to give Buffalo the edge, but it's close. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you, once they're in the playoffs and the Patriots will be in the playoffs, yeah. we'll see what happens. So as two, so three. I'm going with the Bills. Um, I don't think it's close. I really don't. I think they have, like you said, they have the Bucks. That's the, the hardest, I think, competition they have left. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, one bad game doesn't make the Bills a bad team. Uh-huh. That's not – Josh Allen, he's still there. Super talented. Stephon Diggs, he's still there, right? Tredavious White, he's still there. Is so, there still any kind of big brother factor with New England? Like, I know I, Buffalo got over yeah, them. It's, it's, it's changed. Still like, the bad guy. Yeah, we're, we're, we're the big guys now. Tom's gone, so we're the big guys. Oh, is that right? AFC. Yeah. Let me ask Listen, you something. Whoa, 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 real quick. They beat, who they beat? They beat the, the Panthers. The, yeah. the, or they beat the Panthers the and the Jets. Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Majors, come on. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and they beat the Chargers. I give it respectful win. Like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. them guys are bad teams with a lot of turnovers. You mm-hmm. played for the Bills for a long time in an era where Tom Brady owned that division. Owned it. Was mm-hmm. there an inferiority when you guys would go and play the Patriots? Would you know, like, ah, oh, they're just going to beat us? This is how, or did you you guys walk into those games as Buffalo Bills saying, this is our week. You know what? Honestly, we thought we could beat them guys. Like, I, I mean, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, so it was always hard to beat him. But defensively, defensively they weren't that great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they are really good in the red zone. So they let you go up and down the field, getting yards, sure. but they really, like, buckle down the red zone and they give you three. And mm-hmm. how they match up is you get three, Tom gets seven. You keep <laughs> adding it up, that's a loss. Ugh. So we never was scared to go against him, but it's hard to beat Tom Brady. And he's not there anymore. He's gone, though. He is mm-hmm. gone. He's going to say to beat Mac Jones. Right. It's easy to beat Mac Jones. <laughs> easy to beat Mac Jones? <laughs> for the Bills. For the Bills. He's wow. a good player, but come on. Uh-huh, uh-huh, the uh-huh. Jets and the Panthers, I can't get crazy over that. That's a good, good wins, but this is the Bills. Mm-hmm. And it is a big loss. Sean McDermott's <laughs> going to be on them. Mm-hmm. I know him. Shrek's face. I just, I, the gap is closing a little bit from last year. One team's 5-3 sure. and three coming yeah. off a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The other one's 5-4 and four coming off three straight wins. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. an argument. It's a discussion. Mm-hmm. They play twice. Mm-hmm. Still. We'll see how it happens. All right. Next topic. 
If the Bills blow that division to a rookie quarterback, oh you got to be kidding me. It's it. Yeah, you're Contract right. the team. You're, you're done. They you, you can't lose to a rookie. Also, like, they also won it, they won it last year. So it's like, you already got over the hump. You can't revert back Belichick's to that. Belichick's back. I know. <laughs> Voldemort. Patriots no. don't win the division. Do they make it further in the playoffs? Probably. Yeah. Probably win the whole damn thing. That's kind of the way I Pats, Bucks, yeah. Super Bowl. Anybody here for it? Yeah. Uh, Monday night football was awesome last night. And you've got those guys. On it. But... In some of these weeks, we have the Manning cast, yeah. and it's an alternative mm. broadcast featuring Peyton and Eli and guests. And you've heard of the Madden curse, where you go on the Madden cover, and then you don't have a great season, or you get injured, or something catastrophic happens. But this was brought to our attention over the weekend. Is there mm. such a thing as the Manning cast Uh-oh. curse? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let me explain. Go on. There's only a few current players who have been on the Manning cast. Here is what has happened in the following week after oh appearing as a guest Uh-oh. on the Manning cast. Juju. Kelsey, loss. Russell Wilson, loss. Mm-hmm. Gronk, loss. Stafford, loss. Even Brady went on, and it was great oh. with Peyton and Eli. They lose to the... Then Josh Allen last week, you're like, there's no way they're losing to the Jaguars. <laughs> they lose. So I'll put this out there. Yeah. This might not be great for the Omaha Productions folks trying to book some guests. <laughs> I think they're doing okay. There is such a thing as the Manning cast curse. Are we in, Kay, or is this just a weird coincidence? I just, I feel like I used to believe in curses and juju and all of that, but then, like, the Red Sox and Cubs did their thing, and then Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl when he was on the cover of Mm, Madden. Okay, okay. I think all those curses sort of broke. I don't believe any part of me that believed in this kind of stuff ended with those. I'm out. I don't know, Kay. Hey, listen, (laughs) those are are six or seven, right? (laughs) I gotta go with all men, man. I can't. Mm-hmm. You on that? Co- if you were on that show, and I love the Mannings, yeah. mm-hmm. you might get a loss. So if mm-hmm. you're Nick Chubb mm-hmm. and they call, and oh, they call man. and say, "Can you come on hang out?" What does Nick Chubb have to tell them? No. Chubb, stay away, bro. Please stay away. <laughs> hang it's, not look- it's not looking good. Uh huh. Say thank you, but no thank you. Uh huh. God, that's good. Peter. I, I could not be more in. I'm going to do the two, th- like, Borat style. Right. I love you, SMD. I'm with, because we need a new one. The Madden curse has been broken for years yeah. and years yeah. and years and yeah. years. I'm just, has anybody checked in on Sue Bird? Uh, what's going on with the <laughs> Seattle Storm? Chuck Barkley, like, right. inside of the NBA seems to be doing fine, but I'm worried about it. Uh, I'm way into this. Uh, Conan O'Brien used to do a bit called The Curse of Cocoon because all the cast members kept dying because they were, like, 90 years old, and that was the joke. <laughs> However, I do. I am in on this, and I, I got to think, there is something realistic about, like, ooh, I got the call to come on the Manicast. Uh-huh. I'm the best player in the world. Go. I can just Who's mail that? in this game against the Jaguars. There is a little something going on there about feeling yourself. What about the Monday night not being in the film room <laughs> and you're busy? You should be yeah. watching film. Right. Why is Stafford not yeah. studying tape? Yeah. Hey, maybe if Josh Allen was watching more Jaguars tape, unless they're <laughs> yucking it up with the Eli, it's an interesting point. Stay I'm away. In. Stay I mean, away. You know I'm oh, in. my God. So thank now we're all watching. It seems to be there. But no thank you. Thank you know what show no doesn't have a curse? Mm-hmm. Our show. The Good Morning we Football Podcast. Right, that's curse. right. So come on in. Mm. Peter's You're gonna get right. your win. Mm. You know, I would like that full screen. We exactly. Don't, yeah. We don't have enough time in three hours, Peter, to the show GMFB how much guys ball out after coming on our show. <laughs> our show. You, yeah. felt, you felt the Good Morning Football bump. Right. You'd come on. You'd right. feel good about yourself. It's, it's a great vibe. He's the definition of the word clutch. He's coming off the 18th game-winning field goal in his career. This man has set records throughout his NFL career, including a mind-blowing 66-yard field goal, which is so crazy to actually think about. Back in week three, that set the record for the longest field goal in actual NFL history. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Justin Tucker. Here he goes. Here he goes. 
What's up, guys? Hey, thanks for having me again. Hey, we're so happy to have you here uh, whenever you want to stop by. You had a big game early this week against Miami on Thursday Night Football. Um, But for another instance, this past week, the Ravens, no stranger to overtime this season, three games going into extra minutes. We're all sweating and stressed out. That's counting, not counting the two additional games aside in the final minutes, by the way. What is your mindset? Describe it to me when you know you're going to be called on to kick that game winning field goal. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I'll sound like a broken record at this point, but everything is all about seeing the ball and striking the ball, trusting the technique, focusing on the uh, <clears throat> on the action over the consequence, and uh, you know seeing the snap come back. Nick Moore, as uh, as he's you know already proven he can do quite well, throws back twelve o'clock laces. Sam Cook does an excellent job as always, spotting the ball for me. Ball kicks itself at that point, um, and. Uh, you know, seeing the ball go through the uprights is, you know, in, in those moments, is a, it's an amazing feeling. Let's go back to week three, Justin, because it's it maybe the turning point of the Ravens season. You guys are down by one point in Detroit and things aren't going your way. And then Lamar makes a couple big plays and you get the ball just over the 50 yard line. Obviously, remember what happens from there. But I want to go into your mindset because it's not only a game-winning field goal, it's a 66-yard record-setting game-winning field goal. You trot onto that field knowing what's at stake. What's going through Justin Tucker's head? Uh, there's there's a lot that's going through my head. Um, the One of the, the first things I can think of is, well, I left three points out there earlier in the game when I missed a 49-yarder in the first quarter. So, uh, I'm going to have an opportunity to make up for that, which is nice. Um, but it's from 66 yards away, so I'm going to have to uh, dig a little bit deeper to, you know, find a way to just get this ball to go. And, um, you know, like I just mentioned, Nick throws back a great snap. Sam gives me a great spot. Uh, guys up front hold for just like a tenth of a second longer than they normally would have to. Because uh, when you're 66 yards away, you got to find a way to, you know, put a little uh, – extra juice behind that ball. So I took a little crow hop into it, uh, got the ball off in about 1.4 seconds as opposed to, you know, typical 1.25 to 1.35 seconds. Um, But, uh, you know, when you're 66 yards away, you can kind of swing for the fences and no one is really, like truly no one's really expecting you to make it um, except for, you know, the the, the people that are directly involved uh, in, you know, making that kick. So um, now if it was, um, you know, if it was a 36 yarder like we we had this last week, there's there's almost more pressure because everyone's kind of expecting you to make that. Mm. So uh, Hmm. uh, when you're when you're an additional 30 yards away, you can kind of swing for the fences, which is exactly (laughs) what we did. I mean, I just swung out of my shoes and uh, got the ball just far enough. I think we had a little divine intervention, (laughs) help that ball bounce the bounce the right way. So. So, thankful for that. <laughs> yeah, or Delion intervention. I think they call it. Uh, I'm getting a comment <laughs> about it because that kick took a, uh, um, a victory lap last night. The Bears attempted a 66-yard field goal to end the game, and it was woefully short. It just showed how incredible yours was, Justin. After yours in week three, you got a visit from the esteemed Madden ratings adjuster, <laughs> and we're finally bumped finally. to a 99 overall rating Woo! for a limited time, like the McRib or something, making you the only the fifth <laughs> kicker to have a 99 rating in Madden history. What was your reaction to seeing that change, and what took so long? Uh, you know, I was pretty stoked. I, um, 
uh, like I, I love the Madden franchise. Like I've always, always had the game uh, ever since I was a kid. So, you know, first of all, just to be on the game, just to be, uh, you know, featured as a player in the game, uh, coming in my rookie year with no avatar, like no, um, you know, actual picture. I just had like the little right. silhouette guy for, shape, for a while. Yeah, the shadow. Even, the, even that was <laughs> yeah, the shadow guy. Uh, even just having, you know, even just getting to experience that, um, you know, for the last decade now is uh, it's, it's incredibly special. Um, but then to be bumped up to the, you know, to the 99 club, like the McRib for a limited time is uh, it's, it's still pretty cool. But I, uh, I hit up Chad Steele as soon as uh, that, uh, you know, that was announced that I was, I was going to be in the 99 club for a limited time. I asked Chad, uh, hey, can you know, can you pull some strings and see if I can get one of those like, you know, diamond encrusted 99 yeah. chains yeah. that or you know, like the, the gold <laughs> cleats that you know these guys yeah. reveal in these amazing unboxing videos uh in the off season. <laughs> you know, I mean like I I know I'm not Patrick Mahomes or um you know, or Aaron Donald, but you know, if even if just for a limited time, they could put a little asterisk next to the ninety-nine on the sure, chain. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. But you know, I would have, right. I would have loved to have that. So maybe maybe you guys, um, you know, with Good Morning Football, I know you guys have some pull. Maybe you guys can make that happen for me. Maybe we will. Well, I'll say what, man. Hey, listen. If you ask Patrick Mahomes and AD, mm-hmm. they'll think that you're a ninety-nine, just like them. Yeah. You deserve it. Yeah. But uh, so we're talking Ravens football. So yesterday on this show, I said, you're not a Hall of Fame kicker. No, 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 no. But a Hall of Fame player. When you hear things like that in statements, what does that mean to you? I mean, that's that's incredibly high praise. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's meaningful. Um, you know, one of the one of the reasons we all play this game is to, you know, to achieve some sort of recognition. So we you know can leave a. Uh, leave our mark on the game, you know, leave our legacy, so to speak. I mean, Ray Lewis talked about that all the time. Um, you know, the, you know, at, at the exact same time, the individual accolades and awards or recognition, um, they, they are absolutely special, but they pale in comparison to the feeling of celebrating with your teammates after, you know, like, I mean, you guys are showing off, uh, you know, showing all these, these kicks that, that get made that, you know, that have won games and, um, you know, I, I want to emphasize we make those kicks. You know, we get in position to put games away because, you know, whether it's, the, you know, Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson or uh, defense getting a, you know, a, a late stop when we need it. Um, being a part of those moments uh, is is really what it's all about. So, um, you know, hearing hearing Gold Jacket talk right now is it's it's special. I, I embrace it. Um, I think any any reasonable player would absolutely do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I can tell you, while you're in it, you you just you enjoy the moment for what it's worth, um, and it's worth more when you get to share the moment with you know people you love being around. Mm, enjoy it, embrace it. Well said and well deserved as well. All that Hall of Fame talk. The King of Clutch, yeah. Justin Tucker. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We now welcome back to the show a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's the vice president of player personnel with the New England Patriots. He's also a general manager for the Chiefs and an assistant general manager for the Atlanta Falcons. Let's bring on Scott Pioli. Scott, what's up, Scott? Good morning, morning, everyone. Good morning. Great to have you on, Scott. And the NFL is 
Quite a whirlwind this season, and the latest is Jordan Love making his first career start under the most unlikely of circumstances, and unfortunately, he struggled. Is it possible that a performance like that could actually completely change and shift the long-term decision-making of a franchise when they look at player personnel and a roster? Peter, I guess it's possible, but it really shouldn't. Because, again, you mentioned the circumstances that he had that week leading into his first start were, I would say, unprecedented. So he walks into a week where there's mental distractions, there's emotional distractions. He's got to come in for a starting quarterback that's not going to be around to help him during the week of practice, to not help him on the sideline. Because that's something that's real that happens in the NFL when a young player takes over. Sometimes they have that veteran presence next to him during the in between the breaks in between the series to help him out he didn't have any of that and to me i don't think that they should overreact what i did love seeing after the game was matt lafleur coming right out and saying hey this falls on me squarely the player not being ready the quarterback not being ready his performance was based on what i did not what he did. Because what has to happen now is they've now seen him in a game situation. They have to evaluate his his strengths, his limitations. And now what they have to do moving forward is accentuate his positives and limit his limitations. And what Matt LaFleur was saying is, I'm going to take care of that for Jordan Love. Mm. Um, Scott, Odell Beckham Jr. is out there, doesn't have a team. And there's a Mm. take that actually the Browns are better without him. A lot of opinions about Odell. Odell is a lot. A lot of player, a lot of talent, a lot of person. It's just a lot of everything. What goes into an organization's thoughts when they're going to release a player considered one of the best wideouts in the league at one point and a super talented guy? You know, Kyle, you said something really important there. At one time, he was considered one of the best receivers in the league. So now when you get into circumstances like this where you have an unhappy player, a team that's unhappy with the player, you start putting it on the scales of balance and you say, okay, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is he worth having come around? Is he helping the team, hurting the team? Is this going to be addition by subtraction if we move away from the player? So what happened is they huddled, they realized the marriage wasn't working, they were trying to keep it as quiet as possible, but it's nearly impossible in situations like this. And I've been in situations like this. What you wanna do is make a decision, move on, make sure that both sides try to win. You don't, you know, you don't wanna poke the player in the eye because you've got other players that are watching how you're gonna behave. But the key thing is the Browns had to pay attention to precedent in this. And if you have a player that wants out and you just let a player get out, then you're setting this precedent that anytime there's a player that's unhappy with the situation, Mm -hmm. they realize that there's a path to get themselves out of the program. So there's a lot to weigh within all this. Hopefully this will end where both sides win and both sides are happy in the end. That would be nice. Thank you so much, Scott Pioli, waking up with us, uh, giving us your analysis. Uh, The week nine was upset city, wasn't it? Bills to the Jags, the Cowboys lose to the Broncos, the Rams fall to the Titans on Sunday night football. What are the conversations like in the building a day after a loss like that at this point in the season? Okay, I think you don't overreact. You know, LaShawn said something before that I thought was really important. We had a bad game. That doesn't make us a bad team. And I agree with that 100%. Yet there's also this balance where the team has to acknowledge that they had a stinker. 
They really did. So when you look at the situation, take, for for instance, the Rams. The Rams had turnovers that they never had. A quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, made some decisions that are just so completely out of character. He has to own them and grow from them. They had 12 penalties for, I think, 115 yards. That is not Rams football. Sean McVay, prior to that, his team was the least penalized team in the league. So what I think you need to do is go in there on Monday, tell the truth, but not just say, oh, that's not us. We're going to get better than that. You have to have true peer accountability in the locker room and say, okay, we stunk. We did this bad, but why did we do it? There needs to be, again, this balance between acknowledging your failure, but really coming up with tangible reasons why we failed and move forward. Hey, Scott, Russell Wilson has been cleared by doctors to play on Sunday against the Packers after undergoing surgery on his right hand. What do you see as the pros and cons of starting a quarterback coming off a surgery like that? LaShawn, I only see the pros because you've got this great situation, what looks like a great situation now. You've got a player that's really positive, upbeat, and confident in what the injury is. You've got doctors that are saying he's fine, he's ready to go. Then what happened yesterday was he threw the ball in practice and Pete Carroll raved about how it was going. So to me, this is a terrific situation for the Seattle Seahawks because again, the process is you have a player coming back from an injury. The trainers talk, the doctors talk, the general manager and the head coach, everyone is gathered, but you're also communicating from those different viewpoints with the player to make sure that the player's mindset is right. Because what you don't want is a player to go into a game with an injury and, and or think that he has an injury or have an out. One of the most important things I learned about players that are injured, the reason that Bill Parcells back in the day didn't want players talking about injuries wasn't to give information to the other team. It was because when players went into a game, if they were talking about an injury and letting the public know about an injury, if they succeeded that week, they were a hero and it was taking away from what the team did and the greater good. If the player failed, he had this built-in excuse for failure because he wasn't 100%. Because as you know, LaShawn, no player is 100% even entering the regular season. So to me, I think what the Seahawks have going on right here is this confluence of really good news, and I'm expecting to see something good out of Russell Wilson this week. Yeah, and with the NFC wide open for those wild card spots, it could be a very hmm. interesting November, December, and now January as we wrap up the regular season. Scott, real quick, we got Dick Butkus later on in the show. What's that <sighs> mean to you? Oh, man, I'm telling you what. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but when I was living in my house in Atlanta, I always had the background picture of the Sports Illustrated with Dick Butkus. Yeah. I wore number 51 yeah. throughout my entire childhood, through high school, through college <laughs> football. Um I mean, back. I'm an old guy, right? So back in the day, he was everything that football re- represented. He was all about that, and uh, that that's cool. I'm sticking around to watch you guys. I watch you usually before, but now Great. I'm gonna stick around and watch to see some more. We'll take it. Yeah, he will be here. Brandon Staley, Mr. Go for it on nice. fourth down, will also be on our program. What's up? I'm John Wall, and I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> 
Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And what we're doing here is we're building a team, all right? You can't do it without a guy that can finish the game for you right, as a kicker. Right, game going in First time as a head coach, see you on Wednesday. James lifting him. Just makes me so happy. <laughs> Lucky for us, we don't have to wait till Wednesday to see our next guest. We welcome to the breakfast table the man, ugh, this feels so good to say, at the helm of the five and three leaders of the AFC West, the Chargers head coach, Brendan. Let's Skate. go, coach. Let's go, coach. What's up, coach? <laughs> Morning, guys. Hi, Mr. Staley, and happy birthday to your uh, five-year-old son who turns five today, Will Staley, out there celebrating, hopefully, and eating all the sugar he can get his hands on. But let's talk a little ball here. I'm very excited about this team. Going into week nine, your squad was coming off back-to-back losses. I was getting a little nervous. You lose to the Ravens, you lose to the Patriots, then you go to the East Coast and you beat the Eagles on a last-second field goal. (sighs) Justin Herbert, big performance in the comeback. Tell me about the level of maturity that your young quarterback showed on Sunday, being able to put those losses behind him and focusing on what's ahead of him. Yeah, Justin had a big-time performance. I think he kind of embodies that calm as contagious, I think, for all of us. I think that's such a special trait of his. I think he had a really awesome week of practice after two tough games. And, and Kay, you said it just, uh, you know, those two weeks didn't happen for him like he hoped, but I felt like he learned a lot from both those games. And I felt like he really came out aggressive uh, in the football game. And I, I think that one thing that allowed him to play so well is it was a line of scrimmage game. Our offensive line 
really, really won the day for us. And we had some really big performances from our skill position players. We kind of spread it around. Everyone touched the ball. And it was just a really complete performance for us offensively. And Justin certainly led the way. He went 32 of 38 for 356 and two tugs. And the best part about this team and this win that we were watching on Sunday, last six minutes of the game, Eagles never got the ball. That's because of an aggressive nature that you have built with this team. Let's talk about it. Going for it on fourth down, you've been really big on it, and on Sunday we saw it again. First it's the Austin Eckler leap, and then it's the timeout, and then it's this decision. Do we bring out the kicker, or do we bring out Justin to keep the chains moving, and you guys bring out Justin Herbert on a fourth down to get the quarterback sneak and to convert it? Let me ask you, was there ever a doubt during that timeout? Are we going for this, or are we bringing out Hopkins to put the game away here? I think the decision was more which play was it going to be. I really wanted to finish the game with the ball. After I saw Nick, uh, you know, use those timeouts, I knew he was trying to create a possession for himself at the end of the game. And I felt like where that ball was at uh, just felt like we would make this first down and then we would finish the game with the ball on our terms. And, uh, and I would be able to live with that. And I felt like our offensive team was just really playing at a high level. Uh, I liked the matchup. I really liked our design at the time. And I think, you know, our guys are used to being in those situations, you know, even within that own drive, you know, we went for it uh, before that and and made it. And I just felt really confident in our group. And and Justin was able to make the play for us. And then we split them on a run, uh, you know, late and and got in there even closer. And and that as a coach is is a great feeling, knowing that you really finished the game, uh, you know, playing your best ball. 32 teams, there's not a team that's more fun to watch than the Chargers this year, Coach. It's incredible. And you're right in the middle of it, obviously. We, we love your background. We love the ladder that you climbed, specifically from John Carroll University, the Blue Streaks. Just five years ago, you were running their defense, a great Division Three program. You are now the head coach of the Chargers. Coach, for somebody who's watching this who might be in coaching or just in their own line of work, and they want to know, how do I get ahead? How do I climb? I want to get that job. What's the secret to making that journey that quickly? I think, you know, that, that, that statement, like be where your feet are and be present and, and really um, maximize your role, whatever role that is, is, is really important. And I think like what really happened for me was I always was in envisioning I was in the NFL when I was at John Carroll. I was calling plays like I was defending Tom Brady or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes. That's how I was doing it. Now we were playing against Mount Union and Wisconsin Whitewater. It was, they were different teams great opponents, but that's where my mind was. And, and even though I was coaching in college, I had a double education going. I was studying the NFL every single week uh, and staying current with everything that was happening in the NFL, because that was my dream. And I think that if you have aspirations of doing something, you really have to work at your game. You know, you, you're not just going to let, you know, sort of have this, you know, lucky path where, Hey, a couple things go your way. And then all of a sudden you're where you want to be. you got to make your breaks happen because of how good you are, you know, and uh, and I feel like that's something I've tried to do is be a complete coach. So if I got the opportunity to get in front of a John Fox or a Vic Fangio come from John Carroll, that I would be able to hold up with those guys and be able to show them, hey, I belong here. And um, that's all I've tried to do and uh, is work at my game. And even, you know, now as a head coach, you know, every day there's so much to do, um, Kyle. And, and I think that that's where it starts for me. It's just every day waking up knowing you better be working. Mm. Wow. That's great. That's great, man. Hey, Coach, switching gears for a second. So every year, the NFL has a crucial catch that brings awareness to cancer screenings and diagnostics. So tell us about your journey as a cancer survivor and how the NFL crucial catch has impacted your life and also the Chargers' life, or Chargers' family's life, I'm sorry. 
you know, LaShawn, uh, number one, good to see you and uh, so much respect for your game. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that cancer, cancer has been such a big part of, of, of my life. And, you know, since I was six years, you know, in the sixth grade, my mom being diagnosed with breast cancer, um, she had it for a long time, a really intense cancer diagnosis. Uh, and as we know, breast cancer affects so many women throughout the world. And, and I got to see it up close as a young, as a young kid growing up. And I saw what cancer can do to you, you know, and, and what, you know, a person has to go through with my mom and my dad had, um, you know, thyroid cancer growing up. And then he just went through prostate cancer. So he's a two-time cancer patient. And then when I went through, you know, my stuff that when I was 24, my first year in coaching, when I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, it just, I think that cancer brings out the best in you. I think that it reveals a lot of who you are inside. And I think that it brings people together. I think what I love about the NFL is that crucial catch initiative brings people together. And it also brings a lot of awareness to a topic that impacts everybody. And I know that I wouldn't be the head coach of the Chargers today if I weren't a cancer patient. Um, And I feel like when I got to the other side of of my cancer deal, that's when I really took off as as a coach because I knew where I was headed. And um, there's a feeling, there's a, there's a confidence once you get to the other side of it that you can't explain. And then when you're part of that fraternity uh, of people that have, have been through it, you have a real responsibility to set a great example. Um, and, and that's what I've been trying to do ever since is live the example for other people. And uh, it's just amazing what the NFL can do for people and, and so many different initiatives. Now it's the salute to service month. And that's amazing um, because what I love about the NFL is it brings people together. It's so true. It's such an important perspective to have. My mom, a two-time cancer survivor, she had thyroid cancer as well, so it affects absolutely everyone. It's such an important perspective to have, and we thank you for sharing it with us as always, Coach. Uh, Let's talk a little football, though. Looking ahead to your next opponent, Vikings, they're at home, late game, late window on Sunday. Another heartbreaking loss to the Ravens on Sunday. So give us a little bit of the scouting report. What do you have uh, to do to ensure success against the Vikings? Uh, so much respect for Mike Zimmer. Um, you know, one of my best friends coached with him for a really long time when they were really rolling it. And, you know, what he's done at that place is, is just remarkable since he's been the head coach there. And they've got a lot of really good players, you know, just on offense. You know, you, you Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, these guys. I mean, that's as good of a trio as you're going to find in, in the National Football League. And we all know when Kirk Cousins gets hot, he can really, really throw it. I, re- I really love what they've done on the offensive line with Derisaw. And I've got a lot of respect for Brian Neal. Um, you know, Garrett Bradbury, those guys are really good players. And I just think that they've done a good job, you know, putting together an offense that's really tough to defend. And then on defense, I mean, those guys, I've got so much respect for their game. Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, those guys have been there a really long time. Daniel Hunter, I'm wishing him a, a, a really healthy uh, trick back after his injury because he's a heck of a player. Everson Griffin, just those guys I have a lot of respect for. I was in Chicago and had to go against those guys twice a year. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good football team. And I know their record isn't indicative of how talented they are and how, you know, what that film says is this team's really dangerous and, and they definitely have our full attention. They gave Baltimore all they could handle. And, um, you know, it's going to be a great game on Sunday. We cannot wait. Coach, I have loved and supported this team long before you were there, and I've never been to a Chargers game. I'm going to my very first one this weekend at SoFi. So bring it against the Vikings, okay? Absolutely. We may have a, we may have a couple surprises there for you guys. You know, we're, we're always trying to make sure Good Morning Football has a bunch of Chargers stuff well represented. We are now joined by a couple of gentlemen, one of whom is a Bears legend and a Pro Football Hall of Famer, another of whom is a three-time Super Bowl champ. Ladies and gentlemen, Dick Butkiss and Bart Oates. Good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. 
<laughs> so we have North Jersey on the far right. We have Southern California in the center and Manhattan on the far left. We're going to get through this, guys. Let's go. Let's get into it right now. Uh, Dick, we are so thrilled to have you on. We don't even know where to start with you. Let's go back to your playing career, if you would. One of the most feared players in NFL history. Your nicknames included the Enforcer, the Animal, and the Maestro of Mayhem. Dick, if someone were to come up to you right now, a young person who didn't get to see you play, and ask you, Mr. Buckkiss, what were you like on the field? How would you answer? Well, maybe a little, uh, a little of each of your descriptions that you just said. Uh, I just, you know, I grew up loving the game, and I just thought, you know, I just um, leave everything on the field, and and you know, this shaking hands and all this business, I, I didn't really believe in that. I'm playing against somebody I'm trying to beat, and I'm not gonna you know, be patting them on the back and helping people up. So whatever I could do to, you know, kind of destroy their desire to, to play well is what, I, what was my goal. Just, and the way to do that is just to hit people hard. Plain and simple, hit hard. <laughs> Plain and simple, Dick Butkus joining us. We've got three-time Super Bowl champ Bart Oates here as well. The Bears and Giants among the NFL's most lasting franchises. Nine seasons with the Giants. What was the most unique part about representing such a proud city and organization like the New York Giants? We just had a, uh, a great camaraderie. Uh, Bill was, uh, Parcells was the coach when I came in and uh, had, had um, was a guy, not not the easiest guy to play for, but uh, he was a guy that, um, you know, if you followed his his lead, he was going to put together a team and uh, put you in a position to win. And that, that's that's what he did. We weren't a great offense, but we had a great defense. Uh, there were times that we'd, we'd come off the field after we um, had a turnover. He'd get us all together and he'd yell at us and he'd say, guys, I don't need you to win a game. Just don't lose it for my defense. And so that was, right. he was a guy that just just give him a little lead and he'll let the uh, special teams and the defense take over. And so um, it was not the easiest for an offensive guy, but uh, listen, we won and it, it worked. It was a it was a system that uh, he put together, and uh, it was a, it was just an awesome time. Dick, I'm so thankful that. I'd have to play and run the ball against mm-hmm. somebody like you. Thank God. <laughs> um, now, now you joined the Bears the same year as the legendary Bears running back, Gail Sarris, who's by far one of my favorite running backs of all time. But for the young generation who hasn't seen Gail Sarris play in person, what made Gail Sarris a, a, a running back of his own generation? And, you know, well, has I mean, any running back have you seen so far, um, you know, amount to his talent? I think the latest uh, guy would be maybe Barry Sanders. Uh, Gail had this uh, ability to change direction on a dime at full speed. And, uh, you know, I had to practice against him every day. And, uh, and that's why I attribute some of my success to him, because if I could tackle Gail in practice, I could tackle anybody. And, uh, you know, he could throw the ball and he just had that ability. And, to stop on a dime and go in another direction uh, so quickly that you, you couldn't react to that. And uh, and second, and also, you know, he was a powerful runner, too. He could take people on. Uh, so I was uh, just blessed to, to be able to watch probably one of the best running backs uh, in the history of the game. 
Awesome stuff. Uh, it's crazy for us to have Dick Buckus and Bart Oates on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bart, we're, we're here in New York. Giants fans look to you and say, practicing attorney, three-time Super Bowl champion, like the core of that offensive line. But your story really starts in a little town in Georgia. Tell us about your childhood playing football and if you ever thought that you someday could be hoisting a Lombardi trophy in the center of the field and really with Parcells and Sims and all those guys celebrating it for the New York Giants. No, no. I mean, I grew up in a little town in southwest Georgia, Albany, Georgia. I had no idea. I mean, I loved, loved football. My older brother Brad and my older brother Barry both played, so I just followed them, I think. And uh, Brad played in the NFL for about seven years. And then we also uh, we had a chance to play together in the USFL when, that, when I first came out. And so uh, I wasn't even drafted in the NFL. That's, I went to the USFL and uh, was uh, played there for three years until the – the um, the Giants were in need of a center, and I was a free agent. And I came out of the USFL, and uh, you know, just came to the right team at the right time. It was uh, you know just kind of a kind of uh, I was blessed, you know, quite frankly, to to just to, to be that. It was um, you know, I, and I joined a bunch of guys that were just uh, you know, not a lot of not big egos, but guys that wanted to win, and. Um, you know, we just uh, we're excited and, and to be able to to make it to a couple of Super Bowls with the Giants and then 49ers was, um, yeah, just um, I was like I said, I was very blessed. Well, we were very blessed to watch it. We were having a blast this morning talking to Bart Oates and Dick Butkus, and we're going to talk shortly about the Huddle Up Initiative and the Butkus Foundation. But in the meantime, we are a show that lives and breathes football. But Dick, mm. we love all kinds of media and entertainment and Hollywood. And we have incredible memories of your run as a cultural phenomenon after your playing days, which included, but not limited to, appearances on Taxi, Magnum P.I., Fantasy Island, Growing Pains, MacGyver, My Two Dads, of course. It was a prolific career you're still having. Do you have a favorite moment during your acting career? Well, probably uh, doing the the series Hang Time. Uh, It was was playing... Anthony Anderson. I was playing a high school coach. It was a kid's show. But I think we tried to deliver a message to the kids, you know, through the episodes that we did. And uh, I thought that was of some value to kids. And, uh, you know, it's embarrassing sometimes because some elderly people come up to me and says, you know what? I used to watch Hang Time and this and that. It's Saturday morning. <laughs> what we did, we tried to do, uh, you know, give a message to high school kids and uh, instead of all this other crap that's on TV. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Bud, because I could listen to you all day. Uh, Bart, you are the president of the NFL alumni. You're kicking off the second year of Huddle Up, Let's Talk Obesity. It's a great campaign. It's very important. Why is the topic of obesity so relevant to you personally, to retired athletes especially? Well, Kay, thanks. And, and appreciate it. And let us to kind of share this message Um I, I, I played, I was up to 290 when I was, when I was playing and, uh, and I was able to, to drop some weight. Uh, I always struggled. So I, you know, as opposed to many of my, um, compatriots and colleagues, uh, in the game, guys that are just big human beings, they have the issues and difficulty. We did a survey and over 40% of our guys 
consider themselves in the obesity in uh, in obese. Um, So we wanted to, as the NFL Alumni Association and former players, just kind of raise awareness with our members, with with fans about uh, about obesity and, and kind of make it a positive discussion. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people don't realize it's it's not just diet and exercise. There's a lot of other issues surrounding obesity, like genetics, uh, hormones, our social environment, um, uh, stress and sleep. They all affect uh, our weight and our health. And so, um, you know, it, we wanted to create this dialogue that said, listen, if, if there's issues, you know, for, particularly for people that have the, I'll call them the chronic obesity issues, that, you know, there's other, the other ways of addressing it. It's not just diet and exercise. It's not just a willpower type of thing. And so kind of create this very positive messaging, if you will, about it. And, and so let's just, again, let's huddle up like we did when we played. Let's talk about it. Let's create a game plan. And, and if there's issues, there, there are there are ways to address this. And so we really want to create that information. And so uh, we've got a website, huddleupobc.org, um, part of our uh, NFLalumni.org website, and um, really hoping that we can make a difference. So we appreciate it to letting it us uh, share this story. Of course, it is incredibly positive messaging, as is everything you're doing, Dick, with the Buckus Foundation and the Buckus Award given to linebackers at the high school, college, and pro levels. Gentlemen, I, I wish we had more time because there's so much to talk about. We are thrilled to have you both on, and I hope you do it again sometime soon. Love watching you guys. Love watching you, too. Thank you very much, Bart Oates and Dick Buckus, two legends and two incredible gentlemen in the football community. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. Game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco Cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked. Your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.